You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey everyone, hope that you are doing great. We are in our second part of our sub-thread responses. Last week, we talked about celebration, and this week, we are going to talk about lament. And I think that there is this hesitation when we talk about lament, because it doesn't sound like something super fun to talk about, but it's a really important part of our process with Jesus. So we're going to talk about lament this week, and one of the things that I want to say right off the top is one of the best ways to lament other than just having a conversation with Jesus is to find people that you love to pray for you. So if you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on all of our socials at FC Young Adults, or you can call me at the Faith Chapel, whatever you need. If you need prayer, please, please, please reach out. You are loved, and we want to make sure that you have someone to process with if you need it. Well, lament. Let's talk about it. It's probably one of the most important parts of our walk with Jesus, because here's the truth. In this world and in this life, there will be pain, there will be confusion, there will be uncertainty, and there will be doubt. It's a part of the human condition. Lamenting is not the same as simply crying. It is expressing grief, anger, or frustration. Excuse me. It is expressing grief, anger, or frustration with intention. With intention. We have to be really careful as followers of Jesus to not buy into the lie that we must pretend that life is good all the time. It can be so easy as followers of Jesus to put on this facade that life is really good and because we have Jesus, nothing is wrong. If you're listening to this and you're spiritually unresolved or you're just curious or or maybe you're an outright atheist looking for, for reasons to... to uh, tear down our beliefs, whatever. I don't know. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. But if anybody ever made the statement to you that following Jesus makes your life perfect, they lied. Life is difficult with or without Jesus. But with Jesus, here's the difference. We have hope. We get to suffer. We get to lament. We get to grieve in hope because we know that this is not the end of the story. We get to do that with hope. There's this eternal aspect of following Jesus that says, no matter what my current circumstance is, I know that my eternal circumstance is secure in who Jesus is. So we get to, we get to suffer with hope. I think that there is a sacred dignity to human suffering when it is done in tandem with faith in Christ. There's this sacred dignity, this refining process, this thing that can happen. And it's not something we ever look for or that we want to experience necessarily. But when we have faith in Jesus, there is a sacred dignity to how we suffer because we can suffer well and we can suffer with hope. Jesus gives us this open invitation to commune with him. And that doesn't always have to be tied up in a pretty little bow and labeled with joy and labeled with thankfulness or labeled with praise. Yes, there are times in our lives that we should be approaching the throne of God and we should just be in complete adoration and worship and praise of who God is and what he is doing. But he's also asking us in the valleys, in the times where things are not good, in tragedy, in hard times, whatever it may be, that we would approach him with lament. You see, Jesus isn't asking us to come before him any other way than authentic. 
So whatever you're feeling, whatever you're doing, come before the Lord regularly. And if it's praise, then praise. But if it's lament, lament. If it's grief, grief. Like, be people. We must be people who come before the Lord authentically. So the first point this week is that lament allows us to process emotion. Lament allows us to process emotion. Psalm chapter 10, verse 1 says, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? This is King David. This is He's the author of Psalm chapter 10, and, and a third of the Psalms are laments. They're full of questions. They're full of anger. They're full of doubt. They're full of a, a bunch of different emotions, and that's one of the reasons that I love them so much is because they're so human. So David says, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Those are bold words by David. I have to be the first one to admit that if he said that out loud next to me, I'd be like, I might want to keep my distance from this guy because I don't know what's about to happen in the next couple of minutes. But luckily, my thoughts and God's thoughts are not the same. My thoughts are, I can't believe he just said that to God. And God's thoughts are, keep going. Keep being honest. Keep being authentic. Tell me how you really feel. You cannot hurt God's feelings. He's going to be a God who can step into the gap no matter what you're feeling and engage with it. He might correct you. He might convict you. But he's always willing to listen when we come before him authentic. You see, Scripture makes it really, really clear that God's thoughts are far above my thoughts. So my inability to process hard questions doesn't get to project on God. As we look around, we're like, well, I don't know if I could ask that hard question to the people around me. You might not be able to, but you can always ask hard questions to God. Jesus leaves room for us to ask hard questions. So this is David saying, where are you? Where are you? In times of trouble, where are you? And then he goes on to say in verse 2, In arrogance the wicked relentlessly pursue their victims. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. So he's saying, where are you? And now he's saying, look at them. Look at them. Look at what they are getting away with. Look at what you're allowing them to get away with. I can't find you, and I'm frustrated that they are doing what they are doing. You can see David walking out the process here. In fact, for the next 10 verses, he just simply talks about how much the wicked suck. He just like lays out this step by step. Like, this is why they're bad. This is why they're bad. This is what they're doing. All hinged on the question, Where are you? Look at what you're allowing them to do. You see, unfortunately, in our day, we can get stuck in a thought process and we can focus on what other people are doing or we can focus on what God is not doing in our own lives. We get stuck in there instead of trusting that God is who he said he is. You see, 10 verses later, We see David continuing to process. In verse 12, he says, Rise up, Lord God. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. So where are you? Look at what they're doing. Now rise up. So we have a question. We have a question. We have an observation about people that are around him. And now we have a demand from David. Rise up. I think there's a question that we must ask. Do we really believe that David would speak to God this way if he didn't know him intimately? No, David isn't having a conversation with a a distant God who he's unattached to. He's having a conversation with his creator. He's having a conversation with his father in heaven. That's why he's willing to have this 
honest conversation. It's unfiltered conversation. He would not be asking these hard questions or making demands to someone that he didn't have a relationship with. This is a conversation and a plea that he knows he can step into because of his relationship with God. Because what we see then a couple verses later is this amazing resolution that happens in David's spirit. Verses 16 through 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from this land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will listen carefully, doing justice for the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere humans from the earth may terrify them no more. Something happens when we allow ourselves to be honest with Jesus. He wants us to talk things out with him. Sometimes the settling of our spirit will happen in the same conversation. This is 18 verses. David's literally saying, where are you? Look at them. Rise up. He's he's frustrated. He's letting all of these emotions out. And then he gets to the end of this prayer, this end of this conversation. He goes, oh, but I know you're good. And I know you're king. And I know you always will be. And I know you're going to do what you said you're going to do. You're going to listen. And you're going to complete justice and you're going to you're going to take care of the oppressed and you're going to not allow your people to be demolished. Like I, I trust those things because you've already done that in my life up to this point. I know you will continue to do it. But he had to walk out this process. Here's the thing. Suffering in silence is not a biblical virtue. Suffering in silence is not a biblical virtue. Speak to God. Scream and yell if you have to, but speak to God. Allow yourself to lament because it allows you to process your emotions with your creator. At the same time, I think that that is one of the biggest reasons that God gives us Christ-centered community, that we can lament in community as well, that we can ask questions, that we can present our confusion to people around us. And if it is Christ-centered, if people are in pursuit of Jesus and they aren't going to steer you away from Jesus, but they're going to say, no, I have questions too. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I'm outright angry. But let us approach the throne of God together and talk to our Father and say, What is going on? We just don't get it. Lamenting allows us to process our emotions. Secondly, lament allows us to ask God questions. Simply allows us to ask God questions. Life is pretty confusing at times. Um, I don't always feel like I have the answers, and I'm sure you don't always feel like you have all the answers either. It's completely normal for us to question why things are happening the way that they are. Uh, Three chapters later in the book of Psalms still, David says, How long, Lord? How long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? He's asking questions. He's asking hard questions. In this last season of my life, uh, it's been really interesting. I have an uncle uh, who had a severe stroke uh, on Easter, and uh, he ended up falling and hitting his head on his nightstand and also acquiring a traumatic brain injury at the time. So he is um, unable to use an entire side of his body. And he's been working really hard to get back. And one of the reasons that he was working really hard to get back to um, – a semblance of who he was before was because his daughter uh, was getting married this last weekend and he wanted to make sure that he was there at the wedding. And so he put in a lot of work and um, then he contracted COVID three days before the wedding and was unable to attend. And so 
uh, just devastating. And uh, we got to go to the wedding and man, there are these, just these moments of my cousin getting walked down the aisle and, and just these beautiful moments. And he, he got to FaceTime in and still see, uh, his daughter get married, but it just wasn't the same. And I felt like I held it together pretty well. Um, until we got to the father daughter dance and her older sister, uh, comes out and dances there. And there's this beautiful thing that's happening, but I just, I just lost, I leaned over to my wife, Larissa, and I was like, ah, here it is. And I just started to cry. And there were a lot of conflicting emotions within me. Um, I was angry. I was very sad and frustrated. And I just internally started asking questions like, Lord, why? Why did you allow this to happen? Like, why the stroke? Why the, why the fall where he fell? Why all the progress um, just to not be able to come? And... Um, the dance gets over. We hang out for, for another half an hour and then, and then we leave. And, um, man, I didn't leave feeling guilty for asking those questions. I felt safe. I felt like, thank God (laughs) that I have a savior who allows me the space to ask questions. And even if I don't receive answers and I don't receive a complete resolution in that moment, I still know that I was able to ask the questions in a place that I knew that I I wasn't going to receive any kind of punishment for, for having questions about why, like why this way. And I think it's important that we understand that, that we have a God who loves us enough to leave room for really hard questions. This last weekend, our executive pastor Brooks brought an incredible message also on lament. And one of his points, he just simply asked the question, uh, are we able to distinguish the difference between questions and questioning? And I want to ask three questions um, kind of off of that. The first one being this, uh, can we ask hard questions without questioning the character of God? Can we ask hard questions without questioning the love of God? And can we ask hard questions without questioning whether or not God has the best in mind for us? Because God is a God of character and God is a God of love and God does always have the best in mind for us. So if we can live under those truths, the questions that present themselves in our everyday lives are completely okay. God wants us to process. God wants us to to step into really hard questions because what it will eventually do is reveal the truths that always have been and always will be. God loves us. He, he lives with us. He is walking with us. He's a God of character, a God of justice. He is a God that is in process with us, and he always has the best for us in mind. We can ask hard questions. If you were not aware, there's an entire book that is dedicated to the art of lamenting. It's actually entitled Lamentations. It was written in 587 BC by most likely the prophet Jeremiah, and it's written right after the Babylonian Empire conquers the city of Jerusalem. This is a terrible thing that's happened. The, the, city, the city of Jerusalem has been built up. It has had kings. It has been prosperous. It has had um, inheritance. It has had uh, prominence in the land. Like all of these different things have happened, and the Babylonian Empire comes in and completely destroy it, destroys it, enslaves the kings. Uh, people who, who used to be rich are now homeless, like enslaved. Like All of these things, Like the entire nation has been enslaved. And what's really interesting 
uh, is that four of the chapters are written in a style called acrostic, which means that one letter of the Hebrew alphabet is represented in alphabetical order before each verse. Verse, so you'd have uh, a verse or an alphabetical an alphabet, and then uh, twenty-two verses, or a verse. Excuse me, you'd have uh, a letter of the alphabet and then one verse per letter. Then in chapter three, it goes the exact same structure, but it's three verses per letter. And then in the fourth, it goes back to one verse per letter. So it's this just super structured lament that's happening. And I think what's happening here, and what many people would agree is happening here, is that the prophet Jeremiah is trying to create order and trying to create structure in how the nation should lament something that is disordered and painful and chaotic. But Jeremiah knew the importance of lamenting to God about approaching the throne of God and saying, what is going on? Why are we being taken over? We know that our ancestors have done wrong. We know that we have done wrong. We know all of these different things, but they, they are asking questions. He's trying to teach them. There can be order in your lament. There, there can be something really incredible that happens if we just approach the throne of God, because lament is important. It's incredibly important. See, the, the book is heavy and it's unique and it's made into the canon of scripture because of the fact that lamenting is important. And then we hint chapter five. It's the last verse or the last chapter, excuse me, because it just, it just completely runs away from the structure of the rest of the book. It's like a run on sentence. It seems like the author just couldn't hold it together anymore. And he's like, Hey, I gave, I gave four, four chapters of structure and four, four chapters of this order. And now I just have to be. I just have to let it all out. And, and I just love this chapter. This chapter starts, Lamentations chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, Lord, remember what's happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are widows. We must pay for water we drink. Our wood comes at a price. We are closely pursued. We are tired. And no one offers us rest. It's just this authentic, like, Lord, do you see this? Do you see what's happening in our lives? Individually and collectively, we are being ruined. Like, everything that we knew is gone. We're having to pay for water and wood. Like, we're, we're being pursued, and we, can't, we don't, can't even rest. We're so tired, we, and we can't rest. And I think there's this reflection in the fact that Jesus... The Son of God comes and answers this lament in really beautiful ways through his life. And also, I think that we have to understand that, that Jesus is the answer to our lament as well. You see, Jesus remembers. Jesus brought us a new inheritance. Jesus makes sure that, that he know that his followers know that the orphan and the widow, the fatherless, they are to be cared for, they are to be prioritized in the kingdom of God. Jesus even gives us this incredible picture of how to rest. God did it at the very beginning. He took a Sabbath. But what we see in Jesus' life is somebody who is incredibly engaged with people, but who is always willing to step away and rest to make sure that he can become the best version of who he is for the people around him. You see, Jesus is the answer to Jeremiah's lament, and he's the answer to our lament 
as well. So let's bring our laments to Jesus because he fulfills all that we need. Then it ends with this, Lamentations chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. You, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you continually forget us? Abandon us for our entire lives. Lord, bring us back to yourself so that we may return. Renew our days as in former times. Unless you've completely rejected us and are intensely angry with us. That's it. That's the end of the book of Lamentations. This paradoxical statement. Lord, you're enthroned forever. But maybe you're not going to show up. This is a human prayer. I kind of love it because of the humanity, because I see it and I see myself in it. And maybe you do too, that, that as you speak to God, you, there are these moments where you're like, yes. And there's moments where you are like, what? And then there's moments where you're like, no. There's just all of these different things that are happening. Jeremiah says, God, you are, you are so powerful. You are so good. Forever you will be. But why do I feel like you forget about me? Sometimes I feel like you don't even care. Would you bring me back to you? Would you come come back to me? I need to be in close proximity to you. I know that you have the power to renew. I know that you have the power to heal. I know that you have the power to restore. Unless you've maybe already decided not to. It's such a human prayer. And God welcomes those human prayers full of confidence while simultaneously full of confusion, full of praise, but simultaneously filled with grief. So let's continue to pray human prayers, ones that are full of praise and worship and gratitude and joy and adoration, but also ones that are full of questions and grief, confusion, and even doubt. See, we are called to worship God but we can also bring our laments to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you in the middle of this too. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.